This episode of The Bag Drop, Untold Stories in Golf, is brought to you by Half Day. If you played in the Stinger, our annual member guest, you may remember the Half Day CBD Closest to the Pin Hickory Challenge. Now, through the link in our show notes, you can visit their full line of hemp-derived CBD products, and with the use of the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. I'll be back a little later in the show to share my personal experiences with Half Day. And if you're curious about the benefits of CBD for yourself, I encourage you guys to check them out. Well, let's, let's dive in. Like, I am curious how it got started uh, with you know, you just have a, a significant social media following, right? And that doesn't just happen. Like, Amateur Hour Ashley, did, was that your, when you got on Instagram, is that what you, your name was? <laughs> <laughs> so I got into golf about four and a half years ago. And, um, you know, when I very, I, I knew nothing about it. I played tons of sports growing up, but just knew nothing about golf. Thought it looked super boring, had no interest in it. Um, but then, you know, one day I get into it and it's just, I'm hooked instantly. And I remember when I very first started, I thought like, I went to like a Dick's Sporting Goods, try to find clothes and whatnot. I'm like, all this stuff just is terrible. I hate all of it. (laughs) It looks like it's all marketed, you know, for the women, like the guys section couldn't be bigger. And and then the women's section is like four items and they're marketed for like a 65 year old woman. And, uh, I hated all of it. Well, I, w- I had like my own, like just regular personal Instagram and I started just slowly seeing a lot of really cool golf stuff, like, you know, Michelle Wee and the, the high tops and just like all this cool stuff. And I just, ugh, I just was all in instantly. Um, and I got introduced to the game by actually an ex-boyfriend of mine and, you know, he's great. And I'm so thankful that, you know, I, I have been introduced to something that's a lifelong love now. Um, but he and I had kind of he was a big writer and he started, you know, saying like, Oh, it'd be cool if I did a blog. And, you know, and we kind of always just joked, like I was super scared when I first started, I I was not good. And I was always so nervous when I'd go to the course. And, you know, one of the things we kind of joke about is like, everybody sucks at golf. Like, and so when we'd be terrible, you know, like it's amateur hour up in here or whatever. And so he kind of hit the ground running with sort of like a blog and all of that. But I, I sort of found this Instagram world and I was like, cool, I'll do like the Instagram stuff you write, I don't write, I don't like to write, but I'll do like the fun social media side of it. And so this amateur hour name kind of, you know, came from there. And then, uh, you know, obviously I, you know, let him take the blog. I kind of took the the social media side and, and, you know, made it specifically amateur hour. Ashley, it had a little bit of a following, nothing. Um, and then when I kind of took it off on my own and, you know, it, it just slowly grew, but honestly, it's just been just a hobby, just a really yeah. fun hobby. Well, it's, it's so clear that, you know, like you said, it's a lifelong love now. It's yes. so, it's so clear from, you know, what you, what you share, what you share online with that. And, and I think just in the name, there's a relatability to it. Like a lot right. of, a lot of the top uh, social media accounts, like, you know, it's a perfect world in a way and all these golf shots look great. And, you know, their track, uh, uh tracers are on a line and, um, you know, all the filters, but you 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 like to share like humor. You like to share just your I'll call it a journey in golf. And I just think it's, yep. it's really relatable and it's clear that you just uh, love the game. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things too. And again, like when I first started, I mean, I would be so nervous. I'd be, we'd be driving to the course. I'm like, 
please like, let's not get paired with anybody. Please let's not be paired with anybody because, you know, I was learning and, you know, I think it's hard enough in golf to be a beginner. And then I think add the female factor to that. And it's just even harder because, you know, you see this like older man coming to the tee box. You're like, Oh shoot. Like I'm paired with him. And he's like, Oh, like, even if I was a a great golfer as a female, you know, a lot of times innately their reactions are like, Oh, it's going to be slow. It's going to be this, you know? So tack on the fact that I was a beginner and it was terrifying in the beginning. Um, and so I think that was one of the things that, you know, I enjoy being self-deprecating and, you know, I didn't want to take it too seriously. I think, you know, one of the things we'd always joked about is that I think a lot of golfers take themselves far too seriously. You know, like oh, yeah. we're, a lot of these people are just, we're weekend golfers. We're not pros. We're not getting paid for this, you know, <laughs> yet we watch the pros and we're like, why aren't we sinking these 30 foot putts and what, you know, and it's just, <laughs> you know, and so I think that was kind of like the, what attracted me a little bit was like, you know, this we're, amateur hour and like my bio, like I'm a three putt master. And it's true. I wish it wasn't true, but like it is true. And people, my friends joke, what a horrible, you know, Max is doing everything in his power for that to not be the case anymore. But, uh, you know, I think that actually embracing some of that stuff is going to help just knock down barriers. I think that, you know, people making it look too seriously in these, you know, these country clubs that aren't inclusive, I think that's doing just an enormous disservice to the game. And so if I can be one small piece of like knocking that down uh, with some self-deprecation and some honesty about my actual golf game, then I'm, you know, happy to be a part of that. I think it's such a noble cause. And and I want to talk a little bit more about the inclusivity and and what needs to happen in the game and kind of how you've been faced with that. Um, But you did mention uh, Max and that we, we we share a swing coach. So I want to talk, I want to talk some game specific items, uh, All right. first. Um, okay. Four and a half years before that, did you play other sports? Did you grow up with an athletic background? I did. So I grew up, that's all I did. It's all I cared about was playing sports. Um, I was really big into basketball. Uh, I, for probably far too long, I actually played boys baseball until my parents had to sit me down and say, it's time to go to softball. (laughs) (laughs) My dad, I remember he came home from work one day with like the big yellow softball and was like, let's go play catch. And I'm like, not with that thing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing? Why are you throwing it that way? Yeah. I'm like, this stinks. I want a baseball, (laughs) you know, but I, you know, soccer, and then I got really into tennis in high school. So, I mean, I played sports all my life. That's always been a huge passion of mine. Um, I just was never introduced to golf. My dad wasn't a golfer. I, I feel as though, and you know, this is probably something we'll talk about, but you sort of need to be introduced to the game. It's not something where, you know, someone just, you know, you're at a family party as a kid and a soccer ball comes your way, or, you know, we're just going to go play baseball with the neighborhood kids. Like, golf isn't really that way. And so you kind of need to be introduced to the game by somebody. And I just simply wasn't, I didn't really have that many people in my life that played up until about, you know, four and a half years ago or so when I was introduced and I really had no intention of getting into the game, it kind of just happened. And I fell, I mean, instantly just overnight obsessed and it it hasn't gone away yet. And I don't think it will anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you get it, it's there, right? And you'll have highs and lows, but it's that love just permeates no matter through it all. I think when when you truly, truly get the bug. Um, so in four and a half years, you've you've I know we share the swing coach, like I said, and you've been working on some things. I, what I'm curious of, and it seems like, and I just know this from you know what you share on social, but like you've kind of focused on every aspect of the game, 
if you will, from you know your fashion to uh, to to your mechanics to the mental game to fitness to uh, just all those aspects. And I, here's what I'm curious about: is which one helped you make the biggest stride? Because you're hitting bombs out there, according to Max. <laughs> he said you're just smoking the golf ball. And for playing only four and a half years, I'm just so I have so much admiration because, like, frankly. I can't even remember when I started playing golf. I can't. It's yep. been such a second nature to me. Like the the rhythms and the motions of golf have become like breathing to me in a lot of ways. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but I I try really hard to to remember remind myself what a beginner's mindset feels like. And so what I'm curious is like we get a lot of questions of members who are trying to get better, who are trying to figure out ways to improve their golf. What was the thing that or which one of those aspects of the game did you focus on? And it made like the biggest strides. Yeah. You know, it felt like a slow progression and maybe, you know, from your perspective or somebody else's four and a half years in the game, isn't that long, but I am competitive. Max will tell you that much. I'm very competitive. And so, and I don't enjoy like playing a sport and not being good at it. I just simply don't. I mean, I remember when I very first started, there was probably a lot more frustration on the course than, uh, maybe at sometimes like pure enjoyment, but I, I knew it was there. Like I knew I was loving this game. And so I was just going to continue to fight through that. Um, I think the first thing is just, you have to play, right? I mean, it's just one of those sports where it's like, you have to get out and you've got to swing. It's just, if you can't play this thing, you know, I, I know a lot of people that as a beginner, they're like, Oh, well, I played like once a month or once every two months. And it's just, that's going to just be frustrating and slow. And so for me, it was just really just getting out there. Um, and I think in the beginning, I was kind of just, I mean, for the first three years, I don't think I ever took a lesson. So it was just kind of like battling it on my own. And then any friends I was with, it was taking some tips for them, whether that's smart or not smart, you know, you kind of learn, right? Like who actually has some good, you know, and it's just trial and error, <laughs> a lot of trial and error. That's a good um, attitude for getting bad <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. All right, I'll try you it know, once. You, yeah, I'll, I'll try it once it. if it were you. <laughs> Because everyone thinks that they know how to give advice, you oh, know. Yeah. Um, I think uh, any female who's listening right now will absolutely know what I'm talking about with that too. Um, and so, some people I would say, okay, great, and then walk away and never listen to them. And some people I would, you know, friends and good golfers, I would take some of their tips and, you know, try to put that into play. Uh, but I think like some of the biggest progress I've made is in the last nine months. And a lot of that is attributed to working with Max. And, you know, I can't stress enough kind of the importance of working with a pro. I think that, you know, I would go to the range before working with somebody and it was like, it just felt almost useless because I don't know how to fix these. So what, you know, if I'm not happy with how I'm hitting the ball, well, I just kept doing the same thing because I didn't know what I was doing wrong. So it doesn't matter how long I'm sitting at the range. If I can't figure out how to fix it, then it's not going to get any better, you know? Right. And so, uh, so I just honestly wouldn't go to the range. I just would just play instead. Cause I'm like, I'm not, I'm not fixing this. Um, but I think just consistent, uh, practice with a swing coach has been one of the biggest things. And, and even pre swing coach and all of that pre lessons, um, I could tell you right now, I mean, the biggest issue was and always has been my short game. I mean, I could, you know, from the very beginning, I could hit good drives. I could get near the green, you know, in a respectable amount of swings. And then it would just all kind of go to hell from there, you know, like the chipping and the putting. And um, I think for any, you know, golfer that's trying to improve, if you show up to the course an hour before and 
just work on your putting, work on your chipping. I think that, you know, look at your scorecard, where are the majority of your, your strokes coming from? I would say that's probably kind of the biggest area where I've gotten improvement. Um, but I, I can't, you know, looking at the last four and a half years and where I've improved, I can't stress enough, you know, how helpful it is to, to play with somebody and to get lessons to somebody that knows how to fix things. Because otherwise it can be frustrating. You can just feel like you're bashing your head against the wall. You could play, you can play and you can play and you're like, why aren't I getting better? And it's because, you know, you only know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. It's, it's so funny that, um, I I always think of it kind of like a recipe too, because I like that you didn't really say one particular area because it's, it's one of those things where like, you'll go work on your chipping and putting and you'll really focus in on that and spend, you know, whatever hours you actually have on chipping and putting. And then you go out and you lose your driver and you're like, well, what the (laughs) hell happened to my driver? I was just a stud with my driver. And, and it's such a balance back and forth, but it's, it's really that well-rounded, like you got to work on your weaknesses, but you got to work on your strengths too, or it's going to fade. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I got like frustrated as you said that because I can, (laughs) I I can relate so much to that. I can, you know, I, I remember I was such a good driver of the ball when I first started and that just came naturally. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I think I held the driver like a baseball bat and I just, yeah. you know, I just went and it worked. Um, but nothing else worked. But then as I slowly fixed the other things, I'm like, why am I losing the one thing I had? Like, you know, this is just such a frustrating game that, you know, you're never gonna, you're just never gonna perfect, which I think is one of the things we all love about it. Right. One thing I love about working with Max is I've heard him um, give lessons to to other people too. And, you know, a lot of coaches do kind of have uh, a methodology they really stick to or like some core things that um, that they, they want to harp on for any player. And I think Max, beyond like setup and stuff, he really is flexible and listens to – he gets to know everyone's game, I think is what I really respect about him is that he's a good listener. He doesn't prescribe the same thing. So I've heard other lessons. I'm like, man, he's never talked about that you know, in my game, do I need that? And he's like, no, don't listen to this. Like, don't, don't listen to this. And, uh, and I, so I'm just curious what, like right now is a good example. What are you working on? Like, what's, what's got you, you know, what are your swing thoughts and what are some things you're working on? Yeah. So right now, I mean, I, I, I started working with Max and this is actually like, this was the first winter, this past winter it was the first winter I kept playing every other winter I just went, you know, we obviously have these long, brutal Chicago winters and I would just go six months without swinging a club. You know, I would hate it. I'd miss golf, but I don't, again, I wasn't this big range person because it didn't do much for me. So going to a dome wasn't super exciting. Uh, and then maybe I do like one trip a winter and get, you know, two to three rounds in, but that was it. And so every spring it was, I was just kind of starting over again. I think that's why there wasn't a ton of progress. I mean, I was playing better golf, but you know, it almost seemed like every spring I was kind of starting over again. So this past winter, you know, I was introduced to Max and this really cool place in the city and all these things. And I could get lessons from him. And, you know, I was like, this will be great. This is the first winter where I can actually like continue to progress instead of kind of go backwards and just start over. Um, so when I first went into Max, I just was battling just these low hooks and my irons, even my driver, which I used to drive it so well, it was just, you know, just low, not, you know, I was getting off the ground, but nothing great. And um, it was just a struggle. It was frustrating. And, you know, Max can tell you technically a lot more than I can as to why that was all happening. I'm slowly learning that stuff. But 
um, you know, we've kind of actually gone a little bit the other way where we've really, you know, kind of straightened the swing out. And actually I, I'm playing with some friends now and they're like, Oh my God, your draw is completely gone. You've got like a little more of a fade now. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, we've almost gone a little too far the other way. Now we're kind of working to, you know, I think that's Max's, you know, strong suit of balancing things out a little bit. And so we've fixed the initial problem. Now we're kind of working to straighten it back out the other way. Um, but one of the biggest things I'm working with him on too is just like speed. You know, I, I had a really small turn for a while, you know, short backswing. I think that was just because I was not turning my body correctly and all of that, but working on that kind of stuff and, you know, how to turn correctly and get a full backswing so that I can kind of optimize swing speed and, you know, get my driver, you know, as far as I possibly can and kind of set myself up and hit my irons a little bit longer. So it's not as many long irons in. Um, so we've seen some good progress lately and it's been, it's been really exciting. It's almost, I don't know. It's like, I, I almost get more and more obsessed with the game as you see you firsthand the progress. You're like, Oh my God, I can't wait to get back out again. Cause it's, it's just so much fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. Once, once you have some wins, you know, it's make, it makes it a lot easier to book that tea time and get out there. That's right. Go play. And I do agree with you on the winter stuff. Like I, I fall into that myself. Anyone in Chicago probably does where it's just like, all right, you know, hang it up. Don't think about it for a while. And that's fine. But um, I think what you did was probably the best thing, which is like get a regiment, work on some stuff in the off season. You're going to have so much more fun when May and June come back around. Um, but then the other thing too is like, even if you don't have the time to work on it, I think these indoor places are fantastic to like join a league and play once a week. You know, you're yep. in there, you're in there an hour, maybe more, maybe hour and 15, but you, you made a bunch of swings. Like you played 18 holes. You didn't, you know, exert yourself, but you had a golf club in your hand. And I think that's so critical for the game. Like just being a, a little bit familiar with what your body's doing with what, you know, your body changes. And so like you have to swing to know, what's going on. And I just love those places that they're popping up and and there's some great ones in town. Like we got awesome places. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think that was one of the biggest like disservices I was doing was I just wasn't swinging a club, even if it's not getting professional advice and lessons and all of that over the winter, I just simply wasn't swinging at all. And I think you just lose things and it just takes a while to get back into that, you know, into once come April, May, when our season turns And so for me, I did a lot of that, you know, did the leagues and then I did some lessons and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm playing two to three times a week in the winter. I've never done this before. And simply just continuing to swing the club, like, yeah, there's going to be a little transition getting back out into the course and playing on grass instead of turf and all of those things. But it it didn't feel like, you know, I remember my first round, it just, it didn't feel like oh my gosh, I don't, I forgot how to even swing a club. Oh, I know, know this. I know this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it's so beneficial um, because I think that, that it's just so, so easy to lose that, you know, I yeah. mean, even you hear the pros, oh, I, I haven't played competitive golf in a, in a month and, you know, I'm rusty. It's just, it's so quick to lose that, that, you know, you, it doesn't need to be grinding indoors in the winter. Just like you said, go be social, go join a fun league and just keep swinging the club, you know? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the, the outdoor side of golf. Uh, I'm always curious that anybody lives in Chicago, like you got to want it, right? Whether it's the winners or it's the, the traffic and you know, the proximity of the courses. So I, I just love asking people what their, um, 
favorite places to play are, but with a time radius. So where's your favorite place? You live downtown, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. So your favorite place to play within 30 minutes of your apartment? Within 30 minutes, it's got to be Tarberside. Okay. 30, okay. Uh, I would say, you know, uh, another one comes to mind is Ravislow. Um, is that 30 but, minutes? But that's is not that, 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's so I got I, that. It's a little, it's like maybe 35 if no traffic. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I've got to say Harborside. All right. So an hour. <sighs> an hour. I'm trying to think. If you, uh, Mistwood? Har- is Mistwood within an hour? Yeah, probably. I would say so. Yeah, I would I'd maybe say Mistwood. I really okay. enjoy that course. That's a good pick. Uh, let's extend it to two hours. Two hours. Stonewall Orchard's up there. Okay. That's yep. a, you know what? And actually maybe Blackstone. There. Blackstone. Oh, yeah. I played there. Blackstone is great. I played there for the first time two weeks ago. That blew me away. That's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Yep. Great course. I pro- let's say Blackstone. It's like it was built for um, housing development. You can you mm-hmm. can kind of tell with the rack, but then the housing development never came. It was in the you know two thousand eight or or whatever. So you have like this really expansive property of just like it goes back through the trees on a few holes, but it's like beautiful. And there's a bunch of for all the architecture nerds that are listening. There's a bunch of template holes, and uh, it, it's really something else. It is. It's for me. It's worth the drive. Um, I would play there any weekend if somebody wanted to. It's absolutely worth the drive for me. Yeah. All right. And last, last time, uh, five hours. Where's your favorite place to play within five hours of downtown Chicago? That's a great question. I'm going to be honest. I've done less of the, well, you know, let's say probably I just did the Irish course at Whistling. And I'm actually headed in a couple of days to Sand Valley. Um, you know, what is that? Like three and a half hours from the city. Yeah, um, yeah, I've is. only played Sand Valley though. So this will be my first introduction to Mammoth and uh, the Sandbox. So I'm actually really looking forward to that. So actually let's do a, a TBD because I might right. change my we'll answer. Back. Yeah, we'll check back <laughs> yeah, we'll, in. Yeah, we'll check back in. My, my most fun round of 20, is it 19? Yeah, 2019 was Mammoth Dunes and it was a monsoon. It was cold. And so like for a golf course to be that fun playing in those conditions, it's, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. I've heard fantastic things. And I, I saw a tweet this morning that Andy Johnson said that Jordan Spieth needs to go play Mammoth Dunes because it's impossible to miss the fairway there. And that'll build his confidence back up. Yeah, he, he, I, I, would, I would second that. He needs a confidence booster. It's hurting me, actually, watching him hurt. <laughs> so you, you kind of, I know you talk about pro golf a little bit in your accounts. Who do you like to root for? Or who do you follow? Well, if anybody knows me, it's, it's Ricky Fowler. It's just, and I, I actually, I love to describe, uh, lately I've been telling Ricky with friends, mustache or no mustache? Honestly, I'm into either. I'm, you know, okay. I support right. the mustache when he likes to break that out. I really do. I'm a full supporter. Um, but I, uh, I've recently been telling friends, I'm like, I just don't know if I have the emotional capacity anymore to be a fan <laughs> of his. It's kind of like rooting for the Cubs pre, uh, pre world series, wow. you know, just yeah. kind of a little, a little bit, uh, heartbreaking. Um, I love him. He's a phenomenal golfer. I just, I know there's more out there. I know there's, there's so more out more. there, there's you so know, more. and it just hurts me sometimes. I was really hoping that when he got married, it was going to like 
some, some gear was going to, he's like, maybe I, you know, winning's not as important because he's so good and he's so easy to root for. I think he's a handsome guy. I'll throw that in there. You know, why not? <laughs> but he just, God, he can't get it done. I know but, it's, I, it's funny you say that. I, I thought the same thing when he got married. I thought, you know, you look at like the Dustin Johnsons yeah, and all these exactly. things kind of like, as soon as they settled down or had a kid and, you know, it seemed like their, their golf career just took off. Yeah. And I'm like, this is going to be it. Like, this is, you know, and I just, I haven't seen it yet. And it, it, it's, it does, it hurts me because I mean, are you going to part ways with so him? Low. With his, are you going to part well, ways in case <laughs> if he doesn't start winning? Are you going to be like, you know what? I got to start room for somebody else. This is too much. My family is, is being impacted by this. It's really funny you say that because I actually texted a friend, I don't know, a month, month and a half ago. And I said, I'm done. I'm done rooting for Ricky. It's just, you know, I'll do, I do some of these like golf pools or whatever with friends and all these things. And every time I just, I pick them because I have to, because I love them so much. And then it just screws me over in the end. And so I, I did, I told a friend that I am done with him. I'm done. Like, you know, I check his scores on the weekends. If I'm, even if I'm on the golf course, I'm like, I'm done doing this because it's just, it's taken too much of a toll. But then like a week or two ago, he starts playing better again. And he's kind of, you know, Sunday he's in the mix and he's got the, those awesome new Puma kicks, those yellow oh, and pink so and, and they're so good. And I just, I, the pool is too strong. And I texted my friend back and said, I'm, I'm fully back in. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sunday he, you know, well, he, again. <laughs> he got, yeah, well, so it's, you know, you I didn't know, maybe, learn my lesson yet. I, maybe he, he will, you know, because he's always still there. It's not like he's falling off the map like Jordan Spieth is. He's always still, you know, totally. top 10 machine. I think Tony Finau's taking over for him too in terms mm-hmm. of like the really getting, yeah, the mental side of getting it done. And uh, we'll see. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, it's hard to, I mean, I, by no means am I bashing him as a player because he's phenomenal. And I mean, he's got an amazing life and he's a great golfer. So, but you just, you know, there's, there's majors there. You know, you know, he has the capability to, to get it done there's just something kind of blocking. And I think that's, as a fan, it's, it's frustrating to see. Yeah. I, me and my, uh, my wife always have on the weekends, we always have uh, PGA golf just on in the background, you know, we'll, we'll always kind of throw it on and, and not pay too much attention until it's Sunday afternoon. But uh, anytime we hear Ricky's name mentioned or we see Rick, it's always a, come on, Rick. <laughs> okay, we just say it at the T. She does it. I do it. It's just, it's like, you're letting us down. Come on, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know the feeling all yeah. too well. I almost wish, you know, I'm, I'm a big Jordan Spieth fan as well. And I almost wish a little Jordan would rub off on Ricky and a little Ricky would rub off on Jordan. You know, I think yeah. sometimes Jordan wants it too bad and puts too much pressure. And uh, sometimes what do I really know? But it just appears like Ricky's just happy to be here, you know, <laughs> <laughs> happy to collect, collect some sponsorship checks. Exactly. And you know, he's playing golf with his best buddies. I mean, he's just happy to be here. It's <laughs> a good attitude to have for the rest of us. And That's, yeah, so we could take a little of that <laughs> for, for the rest of us. We, we were talking before we fired up the, the recording that, um, you know, being a female golfer, how important it is actually to, to see other female golfers. And that you mentioned that was something you found on uh, social media that maybe wasn't in full media or, or, you know, at the golf course. Um, I, I was curious, do you follow much LPGA or do you, when you were getting, you know, 
really obsessed with the game. Like, who did you look to to kind of like, because I, I, I know, I think all golfers do it, right? We try to find the golfer to model our game after or to aspire to in, in some ways. Did you, I mean, not that you couldn't do that with the PGA guys, which are, you know, get more coverage and we see more often, but what, what female golfers did you look to kind of as that like example? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I remember looking on social media and, you know, I've always kind of been into clothes and all these things. And I remember, you know, at first it was sort of fashion, but coming across Michelle Wee, who I can tell you I knew nothing about before, you know, caring at all about golf um, and seeing her and just how fun she made the game look and just kind of how she pushed the envelope with the fashion and showing like, look, I can still be amazing at this game and be a professional but also make it appear and be fun. And, you know, it isn't just, you know, I remember I, my perception of golf was just kind of this stuffy, boring country club, you know, older men and, you know, pleated khakis. And I, I remember that was my, that's what I thought golf was. And then all of a sudden I see Michelle Wee and at the time she's got the pink, you know, streaks in her hair and she's got the, the high top blazers in every different colorway you can imagine. And, I, I was hooked ever since I saw that. And so she's always, you know, been in, you know, my favorite golfer. And, you know, obviously she struggled with, you know, injuries and things like that that have gotten away a little bit in her career. But um, she's phenomenal. And she's always kind of been like an inspiration of mine in the sense of fashion and just not taking the game too seriously and making it fun and enjoyable. Um, and then, you know, she kind of had that friendship with Danielle King and, you know, just, you know, and I think that's one of the things that is so important to show, right? I mean, it's just these really cool females that love the game, but then also have a life outside of the game yeah. that they're social and they're, you know, and I think sometimes we don't portray that enough in the media. I mean, you know, all these professional male golfers we we know so much about them outside of the game of golf ricky's got had that little show you know kind of peeking into his life and you know we see so much with the jordan spieth justin thomas ricky fowler friendship right and you get so much of that and so you become emotionally invested in these golfers and um i wish there was a lot more of that on the female side because um I think a lot of people would connect with them. And I think yeah. watching, I mean, for the everyday golfer like us, I think you can learn a lot more watching female golfers than you can some of these, these male golfers that, are, that have games that, you know, some of us will never be able to achieve and, you know, hitting distances that we'll never get to. Right. Um, and I think the unfortunate thing is that it's just not ex as accessible. I mean, you have to go out of your way to, to watch the LPGA, you have to go out of your way to see who finished and who won. And, you know, and I think that's the frustrating part. And so I, you know, I enjoy, I do really enjoy, I mean, Danielle King is one of my favorites and she just won. And it's just, it's, I love watching it, but it is a little frustrating that it's not um, as mainstream as I think it should be because I, I think it does a disservice to the game and, and those that play it as well. Yeah. Yeah. That relatability and, um, that that insight into her life you're right like i'd watch a show that michelle we was was running because i know i'm i'm big in the kitchen now it's like quarantine yeah, kind of what else am i going to do so i spend right. a lot of time trying to figure out what i'm doing in the kitchen i know she does too and i'd love to watch mm -hmm. like that's and and i think you tune in why do you tune in like you watch anybody cook or anybody you know that's into those things it's because she is a golfer and i'm a golfer and i i love golf and she loves golf so yeah i think there's 
there's something there for sure. And she loves golf. I mean, put any injuries aside. I mean, you know, she just had her first child and she's, you already see her on Instagram out at the range with her baby and she's at the PGA she's announcing and, you know, and she's doing oh, all she of really? these odds. Yeah. She oh, was she doing some nice. announcement. It might've been just pre PGA, but I think, yeah, she's doing some announcing and she's doing such cool stuff and she just has such a passion for the game. And I think that, um, I just think it'd be so beneficial if more and more girls, I mean, young girls and women and could see that because, yeah. you know, I, I think, and it, this is such a big hot topic right now, but if you don't see yourself, you know, sort of portrayed in something, then you're just, you're, you're not going to have interest in it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that there's just less women in the game. And I, I think we're making strides, but um, I think it's like highlighting that type of stuff, those cool friendships and the social part of the game. And, you know, there's, a, I mean, if looking at the LPGA, a lot of them are all super, super close and they're all these really fun. And I, you know, it just, it unfortunately doesn't get highlighted as much as um, a lot of us would like. And then for, so for like us amateur golfers, amateur hour golfers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're, you're a new member of the golf society and we're right. super pumped to have you with us. And, you know, what's so clear with you is how much you love the game of golf. And that's, our commonality amongst our membership. Like we, we want to be diverse, um, from a, a, a sex and race standpoint, we're probably not as diverse as we would like, and we want to get better at that. But I think we are definitely diverse from the standpoint of like the, the basic thing we all have in common is a love, passion and reverence for the game of golf. But from that, everything gets really different and we got all kinds of of characters and you don't always see that. And so we're proud of that, but I'm curious, you know, from your standpoint, like groups like new club or groups like any club um, that are all about golf, like what needs to happen for more inclusivity of, of female golfers? Like you've made this journey. I think, I think we've talked so far about, you know, your journey as a golfer, but maybe if you share with us a little bit about your, female as a female golfer what that journey's been like you know because because yeah. obviously a lot of our members are, and, and listeners are male they might not, they don't know yeah no I mean I think that um any female golfer can probably relate to a lot of the things of my story and background but you know I kind of touched upon it but I mean I was terrified when I first played and again like I I fell in love with the game day one I was you know, introduced, brought out to the course. I had no intention of playing that day. I had only the intention of like having drinks and just being social. But, uh, you know, first tee, they're like, oh, just grab somebody's driver and just try to hit one. And, you know, I held it like a baseball bat because I grew up playing baseball and softball. I had no clue how high to tee it up. I, you know, barely knew where I was aiming. Like, where does this hole go? And I just crushed a drive, which, you know, looking back, maybe it went 150 yards, who knows, but it felt like I crushed the drive and I was hooked. And I, I mean, I bought clubs the next day. I was all in and that's kind of how it started. Now for me, I, I was lucky because I sort of had this built in, um, very small little group to get me into the game. Right. I had kind of mentioned like I had an ex-boyfriend that got me into the game and his stepdad who was really into golf. And those were kind of the two people that taught me the game. And it was, you know, on the weekends, like that's what I wanted to go do. I wanted to keep playing. I wanted to keep learning and getting better. But even with that, even with sort of this like built in um, little group of who I could go and play with, I was still terrified 
terrified every time I was headed to the golf course. Like who else would I be paired with? You know, are they going to be so frustrated? Are they going to be super good? And, you know, every time I went to the tee box, I was just like praying, like, hopefully it's just the two of us. Hopefully we're not paired with anybody. And I can't tell you how many times it was like, Oh, like you're, you're a beginner. Oh, you're a female. You get these looks and you get these, you know, and you can just kind of feel it. And, uh, I think any beginner can relate to what I'm saying. And then I think any beginner female can relate tenfold to what I'm saying, you know? And I mean, I remember, you know, even going to, you know, as a female going to golf course, I mean, I've gotten comments before walking to a pro shop, like, Oh, we don't see that many people that look like you come to the course. It's just like, you know, those are like just not inviting things to hear, you know? And I think those are the things that, um, really sort of need to change. And I think they're changing with the times, um, but we can do better. Um, because it is, it's, it's like, I had to really battle through it. And, 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 you know, after sort of having that kind of built in, you know, group that sort of got me into the game when that kind of went away, I realized it was this beautiful like fall day. And I'm like, I don't have like any other friends outside of that, that I play golf with. And I remember it was this gorgeous day. I really wanted to go play golf and I didn't have anybody to golf with. And I remember being like, I don't ever want to feel that way again. Like I want to have like groups of friends that I can just call or text and get out with. And I think a lot of people also feel that way and probably more females than males because it's obviously a male driven sport. There's going to be a lot more men that go out and play this game than women. And so I do think that there probably are a lot of women out there that want to go play the game. They just simply don't have somebody to go do it with. And this is not an easy game to just go out and play on your own. It's just not, it's not, you know, it's, it's intimidating. And especially if you're not, you know, if it's not something that you do regularly. And so I remember like in that moment, I was like, I'm going to, I don't matter how hard this is, I'm going to build up like, a kind of a community that I can have of friends. And it took some time, but I just slowly like met somebody or slowly, I, Oh, I remember I have a friend of a friend that golfs. Like I don't know them that well, but I'm going to call them and see if they want to go golf. And it's intimidating. It's scary. It's not, you know, you're out of your comfort zone, but I did that because I, I never wanted to like there to be a day that I want to go golf, but I can't just simply because I didn't have somebody else to go do it with. And I think the thing is, is that, you know, I was willing to kind of battle through that because I loved the game so much and I was so hooked. But for somebody that's just like, yeah, I really like it, but, but that's the extent of it, they might not be willing to kind of battle through and put in as much work as that to, to kind of build that community. And, um, and I think that's probably where on the female side, that's why you get less people out. You know, I mean, they, they may not know as many other people to golf and it's sort of like, well, then if I don't really have that many friends, I'm just not going to do it. Right. I, I think you, you, you did say earlier about it's not a game that women will be normally introduced to or invited to like in the workspace. I know you, you mentioned that there's been scenarios where it's like you're sitting there as a golfer and you know, the guy looking for a golf game walks right by and asks, Hey, any of you guys play golf? And you're like, well, shit, I play golf. Yeah. I mean, so like, I, I think there's groups that have started to form and you and I have, have partnered and talked to some of them, right? Like uh, for the ladies and Gruder Golf. And I think they're, they're so good at, at making the introduction happen. But here's the other thing I wanted to say uh, about your story that I think that golf really needs is those groups are doing an awesome job with the intro, with the introduction to make that, that, I don't know, less intimidating space to 
uh, introduce yourself and play the game. But I think too, there needs to be success stories. And, you know, people can always look up to a Daniel King or uh, Michelle Wee as a success story. But I think, frankly, you are that success story that more people need to see. Someone who has that like underlying passion that's going to keep pushing through this, frankly, bullshit that you are going to make golf happen for yourself. And, and, and I think groups like us, like we've been, we were established for, uh, people that have that underlying passion that have that reverence and, and uh, you know, passion for the game of golf and you being a part of it just shows like, yeah, once you're, once you're there, like there are groups and nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Like if you just have the right attitude and come out and play, people are going to root for you. And, and I think our generation in particular, we, we care far less about, you know, barriers of race and sex and religion and all that stuff that maybe, country clubs did you know when they got started um but it's it's tough to get there and i think that now that you're there as in like you're you're deep you know what i mean like yeah you, you have this you're deep in the, in the game and and i think people that are getting invited now will look to people like you and be like well why not me you know she she's playing regularly. She's playing great courses. She's obviously gotten a ton better. Like I can, I can do that. And I think that's why it's so important about putting that, um, what is it? It's like that visual out for people, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, it's representation, right? That's exactly, you know, all of a sudden, you know, another female CEO, like, look, a new club has women. Like that's me there there. I'm represented there and, and you feel more inviting and I think that one of the biggest things is just the intimidation factor. And again, like I felt that so strongly. There are still days or moments where I will feel that on a course or like going to a certain private club for the first time and playing with someone that maybe I don't know that well. Like you feel intimidation. I, I'm not, you know, beyond that. I still feel that at times. And I think that's the hardest part. And again, like I was able to sort of battle through that because I loved it so much because I just, you know, I was just like determined to just continue to play this sport to some people like, yeah, they love it, but there's just simply, they're just, they're not going to go that far. And so for us, I just don't think those barriers should, it shouldn't be that hard. We shouldn't have to make people work that hard to join this game. And again, you kind of mentioned, you know, for the ladies in Gruder golf, and I'm the biggest fan of those. And I've, I've talked with them and I love what they're doing. And I just want to continue to see, you know, a lot of times and not always, I've, I've definitely seen like Gruder golf do, you know, co-ed men's and women's events as well. But I want women to not only feel comfortable playing the game at women's events, but I want them to feel comfortable playing games at any events. Right. And I think that's even like the next step. Like, yeah, it's amazing to get all these women out, whether it's at a, a place like a five iron in the winter or out at a golf course doing like a women's event and, that's phenomenal. And it's great to get women either introduced to the game or continuing to play the game that they already love. But then I want it to become further than that, where it's just at any event, you see more and more women. I mean, I can tell you, I play in events with friends of groups that they run and nine times out of 10, I'm the only female. I'm headed to an event, you know, at Sand Valley in a couple of days, I, I will be the only female. And, you know, I, I've kind of, I've almost become numb to it. I'll be honest. Like some, sometimes people will ask me, like, are you the only one? I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I am the only one. I've literally become numb to it because this is just a game I love. And, and again, I've become friends with these people. They are good guys. It's not, you know, the, the, the males are not the enemy by any stretch. Um, they are all good guys. And so I, I'm comfortable and I enjoy playing with them. 
But I think it's like getting that message out as well, because I, I think that there's an intimidation factor there. And so these women see that there are, it is only guys that appears scary. And so the more and more females that you can get out and you can show that there is representation and there are people like them out there, then the more natural it'll feel and the more comfortable they'll feel coming out. And then once they do meet a bunch of people, even if it is just guys, they're going to build a connection there that they're going to feel comfortable going and playing even with them next time. They don't need three other women, but then it's just a domino effect of getting more and more women into the, into the game. Yeah. That's, that's such an inspiring message because I, uh, man, it, it, my head goes a couple different ways. Cause obviously, uh, an all male group that say, you know, they're going to notice when a female is, is there for the first time. Cause they haven't, that's not normal. Right. Or it's not like something that happens, but if you start like how you said, you know, you become numb to it, you don't even notice. And I think you don't notice because you focus on what everyone has in common, which is they're yep. there to play golf. And it's like, it, it, I think there's two things with that. I think if, if the rest of us could do what you're already doing and be like, instead of seeing people as a female first and seeing them as a golfer first and be like, yeah, she's here to play some golf. Let's play some golf. I think we'd be a lot better, so much far further ahead. And then the other thing I wanted to just, cause you got me really thinking a, a lot about this now is um, I don't, I don't like that people don't speak very directly um, to golfers that are different than them. They don't speak very plainly. And, and I'll use the example of pace of play. I've seen pace of play handled at clubs with uh, beginner females that it wasn't addressed, that, that they clearly weren't aware of the norms of pace of play, you know, max net double bogey or, um, you know, having conversation on the first tee or the second tee, you know, when the fairway's clear, like stuff that no one directly told them because they weren't invited into the game. And I think that has to stop. Like people have to, if you're going to make the invitation or the introduction to someone for the game, then talk about the norms of the game and what's going to be expected. And, and we do that all the time for, for our members who have never played a private club as an example, you know, like we have to have hard conversations about, Hey, this is what's expected. And just, we have to make sure that you're aware, you know, because if, if we're not aware, then, you know, we're going to be out of the uh, rhythms of this club, like what they expect from us. So, and, and you know, it, it's, it's so interesting to me that people, people are willing to have those conversations with men, but they won't with women. And I think that's, that is BS. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember, so when I very first started playing, I mean, I was lucky enough to kind of learn the game from people that loved the game, had so much respect for it, but also, you know, knew the etiquette and, and taught me the etiquette. And, and I remember I kind of learned two things like very early on that I still tell people all the time that are, are beginner golfers. And number one is you can be bad at golf, but still play the game quickly. Right. So I cannot tell you how many times I've had to just pick up a ball on a hole and be like, you know what? This is just not my hole. This one's just not going well. Pick it up, toss it on the green and go putt with everybody else. And you just have to do that as a beginner. You've got to learn to just kind of, you know, don't stress yourself out. Don't freak out. But there is kind of a rhythm with the game and, you know, you've got to keep the game moving. Just be okay with that and just pick up when things aren't going well. And I, and that is so hugely important because um, I remember feeling that way, feeling nervous, but it's like, just pick up, you know, move on. We'll go to the next hole and you can still, you know, play at the same speed as these phenomenal golfers, even when you're learning. 
there's, you can absolutely do that. And then the second thing I remember learning that I, you know, very much kind of helped me when I'd be freaking out on the first tee is that, uh, and again, this is kind of a play on the amateur hour, but that everybody sucks at golf, right? Like, you know, I'd kind of show up to the, I'd show up to every first tee being like, oh my God, these are all the most amazing golfers and I'm the bad one. Right. And you start to really get in your own head. Like, you know, you're on the first tee. I'm like shaking on the first tee. I top a drive 40 yards and you just start freaking out. And then you see the guy that you don't even know that you're paired with crush your drive. And so you're just like, Oh my God, like this is going to be the worst day ever. I mean, I remember starting like having those instantly, those feelings. But then as like the game goes on, right, you see the guy top a golf ball into the water and he does it again. And, and I remember like the people I was learning from, they're like, just remember, like this is a humbling game and everybody kind of in their own way sucks at golf. Like everybody's going to have their struggles. So stop trying like painting everybody as these phenomenal golfers and you're the horrible one that's just going to like ruin everybody's day because everyone's out there just caring about themselves. Like that's absolutely right. the truth. Like everyone just is freaking out about their own game. Like they don't, they have no clue what you just did. They don't care if you just whiffed it because honestly they're trying to figure out what they're going to do on the next shot I, and that, so you know it, it i think that really you know mentally you need to know those things you know i mean you need to, you need to keep those things in mind to help remember that um it's just a fun game and everybody's just out just trying to like play their best and you absolutely can be and should be a part of that but, you know, again, but also learning the etiquette that that stuff is important. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's why it's so beneficial to like have somebody that, that, that can get you into the game or, or have a group like new club back in, you know, yeah. Like if you're a beginner, if you're kind of learning or if you, you know, only played a few times and, you know, like we're happy to, to, you know, kind of teach you and guide you along the way as, and, and hopefully you're also receptive to that because there, there is things to learn. I mean, that's just yeah. natural in any new uh, game you play. It, that's, man that uh your 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 count your second comment about how everyone sinks made me think <laughs> of a story my uh one of my childhood best friends were playing nine holes uh before my wedding actually or on my way to my my wedding and, and he was like terrible like something happened so i gave him i usually don't do this but i gave him a swing tip yeah and and on the very next hole i top my three wood into the bushes and uh very rare occurrence for me. I'll be honest with you. And and so a whole or two later, he like he made a birdie or something and a par. And I go, hey, so that that tip, huh? That was the key. He goes, no, dude. I just saw you roll one in the bush and remembered to like <laughs> loosen up. Like, who gives a shit? Like, that's you, right. I just love that because it's so true, man. I, that's why I love. I, you're watching the PGA coverage this week, right? Of and course. They, they do the featured groups where if you if you tune in to regular pro golf, you got to remember, especially on the weekend you're watching the best of the best, the guys that are playing fantastic. So every putt's going in, it looks like every shot's on the green, every drive is, you know, long and straight, but you got to tune into the guys that are struggling because you're going to see some bad golf shots and they're the best in the world. Totally. And I, I just, they just shot in 82, right? They just <laughs> shot, you know, and again, and I think that's such a thing of like perception and for a lot of people, perception is reality, right? Like what they perceive to be true is what they believe is true. And with golf, everybody kind of just puts out this perception. It's such a serious game and it's, you know, we only play at the most prestigious places. And that's why I just like the, a little glimpse into my social media, like I'm blasting music on the course and I'm having fun. And I, you know, we all like, it's just, I'm three putting six times in a round and, you know, and it's absolutely frustrating, but it's a lot of fun along the way. And I just think so many people take the game too seriously 
And that just deters a lot of people. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've brought out a friend or we've introduced somebody to the game. And the first thing they say, and it's the first thing I said was I had no clue golf was this fun. I had absolutely no clue. Yeah. And I think that we're just, and it's, it's social media is absolutely helping with this, but I just don't think that, um, that's being showcased enough, you know, cause I think that's going to help a lot of people kind of, uh, break down sort of these negative perceptions that the game has. I hope I, I really do. And, uh, cause it's never been a better time to be a golfer. That I think that's the, the truth. There's never been a better time. So, I mean, um, I couldn't agree more. I, I have so much fun with the fashion with the, I mean, it's just golf is just getting so cool. And, uh, I, I was going to ask be you here for it more. Let's round out on, on fashion. <laughs> That'll be our last topic. We, All right. We uh, I'll kick it off with you. You had a little jab in there on pleated khakis. Yeah. Um, talking yeah. about the old, the old men at the, did I, did pleated. that sting a little? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I removed every pair of pleated khakis I have in my closet. Probably. Mm-hmm. I want to say, I take that back. I got one pair left, <laughs> but, uh, Adam Scott, who used to be known as like the fashionista, you know, I know a lot of girls that think he's the bee's knees. Yep. Um, but did you, do you see him, what he's wearing now? I do. So, you know, with Adam Scott, I mean, first of all, you know, Europeans, right. They're, they're a little bit ahead of us with fashion and for so long, Australian, but close enough. Australian. You're right. But you know, (laughs) close enough. European fashion. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's all a little more advanced I'd say than, than here in the U S and so I am with you and I've seen it and I don't love it. However, I have a theory and my theory is that and I don't know if I love this theory either, but it's still a theory and I can absolutely be proven wrong. But I, I wonder if, if the pleated, if that's going to come back in the next three to five years or whatnot, because he, what, he, he already kind of did the, the tight pants and the great fitting clothes, right? Mm-hmm. It, he, he did that for the longest time. He was probably doing that way in advance of any of the U.S. golfers. You know, Jordan Spieth for the longest time, even Ricky, they had the baggy pants and you know, a lot of the European and Australian golfers were well ahead of us in that. So I'm almost wondering like, oh no, is that coming? I'm not here for that, but, th- <laughs> but maybe that's coming back because I'm with you. He's a fashionable guy. So yeah. he's making that, like he's doing that on purpose. For sure. He's got to be, but they, I think they look ridiculous compared know, to everyone else now. Like, it's all I, a cycle. It's two, all a cycle. In, in, in six years, I'm going to see you, saying. Matt. You're going to be rocking pleated pants again. I know it. <laughs> Just searching. Where, where do I put all those? <laughs> Um, what, what are you here for? Like, what are the fashions you really dig? I mean, I love that, you know, golf is just slowly getting cooler, right? It was just very stuffy and, you know, boring and not much to the clothes, especially on the female side. And I think just slowly and so I kind of like the merge of the streetwear with golf wear, right? You're you know, the joggers on the chorus. I love that. The, the cool hats, the rope hats, the flat brims, all different kinds of hats. I mean, every, I love just all the variety. And I just like that, you know, even like the floppy bucket hats, everything. Like I, you know, I just like that there's so much more variety, whether I, I want to wear that or not. I like that people, like you can show what you like by picking out something like that. You know, there's just a lot more personality on the course, no matter what it is you like. There's just a lot more variety and things to choose from. And I think that is really cool. Um, I mean, I'm obviously a huge fan of the high tops and all of that. I love that stuff. Um, 
you know, the really cool, the bright, the loud. I like doing that in, in certain, you know, areas, the Puma shoes, the Nike golf stuff. I mean, they just, they're doing so much cool stuff and thinking outside of the box. And I just think that's another way to get, I mean, the Ricky Fowlers of the world, the Michelle Wees of the world, like that's going to get these little kids into the game, you know? Yeah. And, um, I think it's just so good for the game and it's just, it's fun. It's fun to see the latest shoes that are coming out and you know, the different styles. And I, I love it all. I probably spend far too much money and way more on my, my golf clothes than, uh, than my regular clothes. <laughs> hey, feel good. Play or was it look good? Feel good. Play good. Yeah. That's right. That is right. That's, that's a motto. I, I agree with that. <laughs> totally. Well, Ashley, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for being a new member of the new club. We're really excited to play some golf. Um, and all, with those three putts, you got a book coming in the mail as a new member that I really think will help you like be, be straight up, man. This book, we have people rave about, uh, the, the book we give new members that, that helps a lot with the, the short game side of things. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I couldn't be more excited, honestly, to be a, a part of new club. And I appreciate you having me on the podcast. And I, I joke with Max a little bit, like, if we figure out this whole three putting thing, I might have to change my bio, you know, something like recovering three putt or something, three, three putt master, you know, change, uh, <laughs> change your bio or is it pro hour? Yeah, oh, Oh, change the whole handle. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I think we've got a lot of work before that road to the LPGA tour. Why <laughs> that's not? right. That's right. Going to quit my day job and just, uh, you know, head to the tour. <laughs> well, Ashley, thanks again. Uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Yep. Thanks, Matt. Take yeah, care. Take care. This episode was brought to you by Half Day CBD. Personally, I started using Half Day CBD products a little more than a year ago to assist in three key areas. I use the Half Day oils as part of my bedtime ritual. I like to use the Half Day topical relief creams for my knees, which always start to ache around this time in the golf season. And I use the Half Day CBD gummies as a way to curb some of my first tee jitters before an especially nervy match or tournament. Using the link in our show notes, you can now check out their full line of hemp-derived CBD products. And with the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. You'll also see some of the half-day staffers at our upcoming tournaments and events for the second half of the golf season. So if you're interested in the use of CBD products or just curious about the benefits for yourself, I encourage you to say hello and check them out.